sounds okay. Wait, talking to your mic again. Yeah, it's all major echo. Is it just this mic? I think so. It sounds totally fine when I talk. Oh. Uh, yeah, it sounds fine. To Rachel me. sounds fine. Yeah. All right. Um, Maybe you just can't talk. Are you talking to this mic? Hey. That sounds fine, it's too. definitely my voice. <laughs> my voice wow. is fucked. All right, I'll get used to it. We get used to everything. This is this is what we do. We live. We adapt. We uh, prepare ourselves, mind, body, soul for for whatever's to come next. Um. So just settle in, relax. This is episode fifty of Corporate Lunch. Welcome, Rachel, Sam. Thank I'm you. Noah. Hi. Hey, Noah. We are the GQ Style Podcast. Um. There is some big news to talk about which is the gq style spring issue cover reveal which has happened it is virgil abloh i hope that announcement felt major i hope you already knew and saw and have pre-ordered the issue the issue is not out yet but the, the there's um a, it has taken its digital life and and it's just the beginning it hits uh, it does hit newsstands in new york and la on tuesday so you can buy it this week. Line up now. It's um, quite a piece of work, but really the uh, Virgil is on the cover, and and the cover story, the feature by Thomas Betridge, is uh, a hell of a project, a super ambitious kind of oral history that he put together. He did something like a million interviews with uh, uh, most of the people who have ever worked with Virgil and know him, uh, going back to his early days, like you know, as a student, as a student up through his current uh, prestige position as the head of Louis Vuitton's menswear, as you all know, and the head of Off-White and the world-famous DJ and... Ikea designer. Ikea designer, Evian bottle water designer. Um, What's so great about the piece in which um, Tom points out in the in it is that Virgil is sort of like everywhere and he's so omnipresent and his design language has like fully like saturated our, our world basically. Um, but he's still kind of a mysterious figure. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, and I think the piece does a really good, nice job, like shining some light on like how he became the ultimate multi-hyphenate creative director that he is today. That's right. Virgil is is someone who's like available and in constant communication and constantly telling his story. But it's it he's his project isn't about creating like clarity and like easy to follow narratives. <laughs> it's like yeah. not really what he's about and. Uh, nor should he be, and that's not what we're about either. But I think uh, the nature of what we did with this story, which you should see, and I think you'll find interesting, is attempt to um, to get a little bit of more clarity and a real picture of of who he is, where he came from, how he got where he is, and how he thinks, what he does, all that. Um, uh, an undeniably massive force of, of influence and energy in the culture right now. Uh, it's funny to think about him and what he's done in relation to others uh, who joined him, who helped him, uh, either directly or indirectly, uh, such as, for instance, the designer Shane Oliver of mm -hmm. Hood by Air, who is back in the content news cycle. Mm-hmm. Because he's relaunching his brand. <clears throat> he's relaunching his brand. Um, that was a surprise to me. Uh, last week, Essence, the e-com platform slash editorial project, uh, had an interview with Shane, conducted by Shane's own creative director. Not his creative director. Oh, I think uh, she's in, in, his art director. All right. She uh, works in some capacity for the brand. Or she was. She did. Is she, is she with I the brand again? She, yes. And simultaneously, practically, Interview Magazine has a interview with Shane by Kanye West. And um, I did not see this coming. Were you guys aware that this was coming? Had you thought, Rachel, no, Rachel's very tapped in. She's wearing a hood by her jacket today. I am. What season is that from? This is from fall 2016, I think. It's a hell of a piece. Thanks. We'll post a picture later so everyone can enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, did you know, did you expect, were you hoping, waiting, maybe even begging, as uh, one interview suggested, for the comeback of Shane Oliver and Hood by Air? Well, 
there's some interesting context to this, which is one, he wasn't, he hadn't totally disappeared, right? Like he did yeah. that project with Diesel. That's right. He did the project with Helmut Lang. And the Helmut Lang project was a little strange because the way that I felt it had been announced, it implied that he was going to be the creative director of Helmut Lang right. in perpetuity for the foreseeable future. And Kanye West actually, uh, in the interview, said, oh, what the hell, I thought you were going right. to be the creative director of Helmut Lang. Yeah. Right. And I'm not really sure why they didn't just give it to him, but Yeah, well, whatever. Helmut Lang's uh, resurgence, which has been interesting to follow, has has been confusing. Yes. I mean, they... They put in a, an editor in residence. What did they call the head, the like lead creative position, the woman that they installed? The editor in residence, and then they would do Helmut Lang as seen by, and then the editor in residence would pick a designer. Yeah. But that just seemed like, I mean, the, the, to have to pick two people every season, like, <laughs> it's just a lot of work. It's like a lot of work. Who else had? I was like, and the funny thing was, I was like, oh, they're going to do this every season. Like, eventually it's going to get to like me. I'm going to yeah. get to do this. <laughs> I'm going I'm to get a shot at Helmut yeah. Lang. Finally. Damn, I've been waiting. Yeah. Who else did it other than Shane? Well, Alix Brown was one of the editors in residence, and she had appointed someone. I can't even remember who she got. I mean, it was honestly, it was so confusing. But yeah. so Shane had done a couple of other projects. And in addition to Hood by Air's, uh, Hood by Air proper, I mean, it had it had gone on a hiatus previously between 2009-ish and 2012. Right. It hadn't always been uh, consistent or like. Right. It's not like some brand that's that was, it's an independently owned and operated business. So. Right. But it is kind of a classic fashion story in that way where yeah. it's like something that only happened for a handful of years and everyone was like, this is the most important thing that's ever happened. <laughs> we would do anything to have this back. Yeah. And now it's back. Although we don't really know what that means. We have both of the, we have these two stories, but we didn't really get the classic like New York Times or business of fashion sort of announcement of like, OK, yeah. and they're going to show at this time or they're going to show off season right. or, you know, what that really means. Shane did a hint in the um, Kanye interview that he is not probably going to show at Fashion Week. Right. But I think everyone says that and then they sort of get sucked. Right. Back so but even that is like. Even that is 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 like many steps and layers beyond like, well, what are you actually doing? Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't much there. There's a lot. He talks a lot about uh, how ideas like operate and like what he kind of wants to do in an abstract sort of and general way. Not that I would expect he's going to describe the clothes he's going to make or anything that basic, but uh, there aren't any clothes so far to look at. No. There's just pictures of him and it'll, looking extremely it, cool and yeah. extremely on brand. But what's interesting about that point, Noah, <laughs> that Thank you. is that uh, I was like in looking back at those shows, yeah. I had the memory, and I'm sure you also went to a lot of those shows yeah. too, like uh, of being at the show at the time and thinking like, whoa, this is like so crazy. I'm not even sure if I get it. And even some seasons being like, I'm not sure if this is like one of his best. But now looking back at them and being like, this was like inevitable in a certain yeah. way. Like it looks so like, it looks so much like a lot of the things that we now see people trying to do. Definitely. And so. We have such short memories. Yeah. And so I wonder if like, you know, on the one hand, it's really exciting, but it's also there's got to be part of the reason why he didn't show us clothing is that, like, maybe he doesn't know what that looks like yet. I mean, yeah. what you know, it's just like it's interesting, like even thinking back on that time, like pointing to specific things about him, like the the way that things were styled, but uh, like is interesting in the kind of like insanity of the designs, which you can see you know, in a lot of like young New York brands, yeah. but also even in what Virgil Abloh is doing, for example. And like the the white HBA logo yeah. being all over everything. Yeah. And the idea that like this T-shirt is the thing that's going to like get everyone paying attention to this brand. Yeah, that's right. Like those are all things that are now like that's a playbook that a lot of for designers like European follow. luxury mm -hmm. houses. Yeah. Also, one thing that Shane was doing then that I think got like lost in the translation and the the constant reworking of that idea not that it was his original idea but that idea is like hood by air was way more challenging like i remember seeing one of those shows at milk studios it might have been the first time i saw boy child <clears throat> sorry when boy child 
was walking those runways, it was like disturbing. Yeah. And uh, and felt like a high art kind of move in a way that is not quite. It was less commercial in a lot of ways. The presentation did not feel like some safely uh, commercial way of presenting a brand. Oh, and what was so brilliant about HBA was that they just turned around and sold like a million t-shirts after these crazy presentations. Yeah. Like that's what they had at Barney's, right? Yeah. Yeah, the collection I, sold though. Yeah. I mean, they were close for sure. I, I don't know if they sold a million t-shirts to be honest. I don't know. I mean, it never really scaled up that crazy. He 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 dabbled with partnering with the New Guards group, which he mentions, which is the group um, partly owned by Marcelo Brulon, the designer that includes his brand and, and um, Off-White and Palm Angels and what else? I don't know what else. Yeah, but it was ba- basically he moved all the production of his clothing to Italy. Yeah, so they, they what they're able to do is kind of like Italian design and production and then uh, scale and distribution with, with these kind of like massive new fashion streetwear brands. But it didn't. It didn't last, and Hood Buyer sort of fizzled soon after that. Right. It was like I think less than a year after he did that that he went on his second hiatus. But I don't know. At the time, so Hood Buyer's. Do you have the history of Hood Buyer like dialed in terms of like years? It was started. Two thousand and six. Like a long time ago, when Shane was in high school. By Shane and was was it Shane and Venus and others? Yeah, it was. Well, so they were doing the ghetto gothic party. Um, Shane and Venus X and a couple of other people and then Shane and his friend Raul Lopez who now has that line Luar are the ones who launched it together Um, and it it launched as what we would consider like classic traditional streetwear no no was, I think he was very launched as fashion very aware from the beginning that he was in conversation with like Raf, right, um, and with like European streetwear designers yeah. who were making clothing that they wanted black men to wear, but was like too slim cut and feminine yeah. in its design. Yeah. So from 2006 to what 2009 or so, yeah, they that that along with like the ghetto gothic parties and. I don't know what else. I think of Telfar as being like in part of yeah, that. Yeah, Tel- and in fact, Telfar walked in a couple of the shows. And were there shows between 2006 and 2009? Yes, runway? there were. There were. They were like yeah. runway collections. Okay, and then I can. I. It's like a little hard. It's so funny because this is all such recent history. Even I know. even the next iteration of it, and like reading the interviews and thinking about it, you're like. Oh well, back then things were like this. Yeah, when you're like I don't know. It was four years ago. Like they made a fa- like a fall 2017 collection, which is like, <laughs> like very very recent. But of course, we know in our bones and we know it to be true that that it was um, ages eons ago. And when and then Hood Buyer came back in 2012. Yes, and I think it's in 2012 that Layla Weinraub joined. Yeah, and she really helped legitimize. The enterprise. And she's an artist. Yeah, she's an artist and a filmmaker. She made this video or this movie called Shakedown that she'd been working on for like a decade. Right. Um, uh, which actually just, I think, was like premiered not even a year ago. It's about lesbian strip clubs? Yeah. It's kind of like a like a lesbian Paris is burning. Um, so she, and the cool thing was that she named herself CEO, yeah, which I just think is so bad because like part of, part of probably why Hood by Air stuttered so often in terms of being a functional fashion business is that it was very disorganized and that was part of what made it so interesting and appealing. All the good brands are like that for a while. But like it had this like CEO, this like brilliant powerful woman yeah. as this as like who's like i'm the ceo and was also like fully part of the culture she was not yes like a suit or anything right. like that not even close and she was she was also kind of leading the charge of like we don't want outside investors we're very wary of celebrity endorsements yeah. although they did have asap rocky right was like one of the early fans yeah who ended up turning on them yeah. on in like a song or something right yeah Be- well, was that what happened? Was that Hood by Air around that time did become hugely 
uh, famous or whatever. I mean, it's like yeah. weird because you could almost say it that way as though it's its own uh, celebrity entity. But it was very controversial and, and became huge. Yeah. Like it, in the way that Supreme is huge, right? It became yeah. a Well, people accused symbol. Ricardo Tisci of ripping them off yeah. when he was at Givenchy. Well, I'm sure he did. I mean, so. whoever, they had all the energy. When, when from my recollection, it, in that 2012 to, to 2016-ish era, um, they were leading the movement of whatever, like street culture and high fashion right and yeah. i think a lot of people who were like old guard critics were super excited about it because they felt that energy and were like i haven't seen this yeah. since margella or you know and they won like, and they won the vogue cfda award right they won right. the lvmh prize they yeah. sort of like ticked off all the boxes that the sort of traditional structure like puts in place for young brands to come up through but and they were, did everything that they had to do and they got all the cosigns that they needed to get from sort of like the old guard. But there were plenty of haters. Oh, of course. It was not like universally loved, right? I mean, right. there was a real sense probably of people fr- afraid of of black and queer people like taking something sacred from them. Right. There were people that didn't take it seriously, that didn't think it was fashion. I, I mean, I don't know what. I was at the time working at style.com you know, writing menswear reviews and, and overseeing that site operating. So it was very much in the air and it felt like a thing that people were just constantly debating. And Virgil was emerging with Off-White and starting to show that at the same time. And I think it felt, it was like, okay, here comes this radical shift. Are we are we with it? Are we going to support and endorse this and see it through and make it the new thing? Or do we need to like fight this and preserve, you know, the stuffy white integrity of the fashion universe i think we all know what happened mm-hmm. we know who won we won the good guys won um did like what's your sense of how hood by air relates to presenting like just a non straight white rich person fashion experience does it feel like do you feel like shane and hood by air were really instrumental or doing something radical to like shift shift a perspective that is a, a new perspective we live in now in a certain way yes I think though one of the things that was really interesting about what he was doing is that it wasn't this like surface level like I'm gonna make streetwear into fashion like the kinds of ways that he was pairing things and yeah. like creating tension were really strange like the jacket that I have now like it in a weird way kind of looks like a Chanel jacket, like mm-hmm. in a really freaky way, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like it's the, the chains on it and the zippers yeah. and that like, so, and there's kind of like a, and I think he, you know, he comes from, he was in the house of Ninja, mm-hmm. which is a ball, like old ballroom yeah. house. So he definitely comes from that culture of, satirizing but also worshiping like rich white ladies yeah uh-huh. so and, that, and that's part of what made the brand so interesting is that it's like like shane and his crew wanted to wear it but also like women who shopped at barney's were like yeah i can really like see wearing that with like a pair of slacks yeah um <laughs> obviously not all of it but there were definitely like pieces in the collection that just like had that innate appeal but i also think there's you know in f- one thing that he had that like none of his imitators had is that it was aggressive and really masculine and extremely sexual. Yeah. And like that yeah. has not, we have not seen anyone else who's doing that. So I'm like interested to see that reappear. I guess that's the thing. I was just going to ask you, what do we think he can do in the, in the current climate given, uh, given the way a lot of the stuff that he was presenting has become sort of like a, a baseline or whatever like what 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 what's left for him to do or what can he offer now or what's the new thing that he can do that we need and maybe you just described it um new energy i guess it's it's funny because a lot of what we've been talking about and thinking about is like oh this guy daniel lee is now at bottega and that seems really cool and exciting he came from celine and uh the big homie Bruno, who we're all just getting to know who's now in charge at Lanvent, who just showed his first collection and it seemed promising and obviously Virgil and um Kim Jones at Dior and Eddie at Celine and and it's just like it is the year of massive 
paradigm shift in new energy and now let's just throw shane oliver and hood by air in that mix that's right. sort of cool and unexpected right yeah really cool speaking of the homie bruno um what do you guys think of the lamb van collection bruno salelli can yes. someone say his last name i think it's Cialelli. Cial- it's, but it might Cialelli. be chialelli we're, Let's we're get the check. most the most Italian. Bruno <laughs> Cialelli. We'll just add some <laughs> Italian flair to it. Um, so, what's exciting to me is that he came from Lueve, and he was the menswear director at Lueve. Yeah, and Lueve's menswear, shown recently in Paris on the runway for the first time ever, is banging. It's like yeah. super good. It's really cool. Um, obviously, Jonathan Anderson, the creative director of Loewe, is is responsible for that. And um, Rachel used the phrase, it feels like it really turned a corner, and it does. Because Loewe, he's been at that job for a while, and he's been making men's ready to wear for a little bit now. But something definitely happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Bruno. Yes. Menciono um, Chile. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to call him Bruno. Uh, he looks like a Bruno. He has an extremely charming Vogue runway bow shot uh, featuring a, a tiny crossbody pouch. Yeah, and he showed a, he showed those with a couple of the looks, too. Oh, really? They're in yeah. the... All right. Well, more on... Uh, that's a little foreshadowing for what's to come later in this ep. This is episode 50, by the way. It's a, kind of a... No big deal, but kind of a big deal. He really came out in one of the best fits of all the designers of Fashion Week. Yeah, him I mean, he's wearing like the like not even Converse seventies, just normal cons, low navy, um, a pair of what might be um, like carpenter jeans of his own design. Yeah, um, some sort of like Norwegian bubble knit sweater uh, over a, a short sleeve shirt and the tiny little pouch. How do you know his shirt is short sleeved? Because he has a sleeve. Look, his sleeves are pushed up. Right. Uh, it's definitely between him and Simone Port Jacquemus for the best uh, fit uh, on the bow. Um, we should do a just like a bow fit episode one day. Yeah, we where should. we just talk about what we would wear. Like right. when I take my bow, when I do my helmet line collection, like what am I gonna wear? One of my favorite pieces actually from last year was Steph like analyzed all of. Raph Simmons, Simmons. Yeah. yeah. Shout out Steph Yatka. Um, Didn't she say that like before he leaves, a, you know, a job or whatever, he always gives like a, the heart. a heart hand <laughs> the to heart. the audience. Incredible. So funny. Um, so what's the big deal about Lanvin? So it's a hundred year old, hundred, uh, very, very old. It's the oldest French couture house, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, it it whatever it has one a long... of the few French couture houses started by a woman, right? Jean mm-hmm. Jean Jean. She seems like a real legend. Jean. I don't know too much about her. <laughs> this is Jean Lanvin, and um, uh, but the important part of the history, as far as uh, recent times go, is has to do with Albert Elbez, mm-hmm. who was beloved who and was, was there for years. I mean, decades. And and. He he was the women's designer. Uh, for most of his tenure there, Lucas Austin Driver mm-hmm. designed men's. And together, but Albert especially was uh, and is the one of the most beloved fashion designers just ever. And it seemed like what he was doing was really working. The sales there were pretty good. Yeah, he had a very and he had a very like kind of romantic outlook i guess i was about to say like it looked very 2009 but that's probably because it was 2009 <laughs> um but yeah very like feminine and kind of romantic maybe a little bit like commercialized Rodarte. and he was canned sort of suddenly and unexpectedly right and that was upsetting and uh i guess i read Lamben felt like they needed they needed like an it bag and he wasn't making it or something Yeah, or, you know, wh- whatever happened. So that led to a, um, what do you call it? Like a revolving door sort of situation of designers yeah. coming in and out. Lucas Austin driver, who we're all big fans of was making some phenomenal, I don't know about phenomenal, but some very strong and enjoyable, uh, menswear collections, um, ambitious, really beautiful stuff that felt like truly, artful and like complicated in a really cool way um and so then he was booted (laughs) i feel like there should be like a more elegant way of putting it let's just 
say he was relieved of his position. And um, anyway, you know, these things happen. Like the fact, like the people come and go. You got a job one day, you don't the next. The new guy gets the job, then he's out, or maybe not. Like it's all. You could track that. You could follow it like sports or politics, right? You could do like rankings, fashion, and, musical and, chairs. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> but it's just been the thing for years. So you kind of have to be like. Go Part of me it. wants to be like, just take each collection as it comes. Who yeah. cares who's got what job? Because, yeah. I mean, yes, it's nice to see things build and evolve with time. I think, like, we all agree that, like, good good collections, good designers, they get there after a while. Yeah. Um, you don't just, like, debut your best work and then leave after the end of that season. But to some extent, you do need to be like, I don't know. Let's just yeah. let's just take it. As I it think comes. that's an interesting point because part of what's intriguing about Bruno is that one he's like super young. He's like 33 and it's like yeah. finally like people are are like young as as opposed to being, you know, like in their 40s and 50s, not that 40s and 50s is extremely young, but old. like you know, it's nice to see like these young designers who are kind of a little bit in the background, like being pulled to the forefront. Yeah. But also this collection was like there used to be this big conversation, particularly in women's wear, which obviously is a slightly longer history than like, you know, high fashion menswear of like the codes of the house. Right. And I felt like he was like, yeah, whatever. You know, like he's not like cutting dresses on the bias or like attempting to reveal a woman's goddess figure, which are the sorts of things yeah. that Lynn Vaughn was about. But he did like this. I did think it was a bit modest. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But there was like a really cool like um, Lanvin like cameo print pink fleece yeah. that I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. Like, and that's a cool way to like revive, you know, like a, an old house in a certain way. Yeah. Well, the thing to be said is that it's it's new and exciting. I thought there was cool stuff, and and people will point out that it it feels like Lueve. Um, menswear and it does because he's he was the guy there and now Lueve is really good and Lanvin is hopefully is is promising and I think that's all like cool it's kind of funny because it's really hard to pin down kind of like clothing right mm-hmm. both this and La- and Lueve like you look at it and you're like there's a lot going on here and and Lanvin this collection will be criticized for for too many ideas um, all in you know lack of kind of focus and like decisiveness in terms of you know what's the vision but one thing that does jump out is of course as we already mentioned the bags yeah only women are carrying bags though no i think the women there's this men have oh really is it the same there's like a strap bucket strap bag that i think looks pretty cool and there's also like a long leather bow tie which um like a bolo you're not gonna no it's like a ribbon it's like a karate belt uh, a karate belt made of leather worn in, as a loose bow uh i wonder what it actually is you never really know it's sort of a styling flourish if you will um bags what's up with bags i don't know uh so speaking of simon port jacques mousse um extremely tiny bag he put out the tiny uh eight ball bag or airpod bag whatever whatever the tiny accessory of choice uh is 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 yours he shocked and awed audiences with a miniature bag minute bag it's i mean it's truly minute you could fit it in your mouth yeah you could fit it in your mouth you could put one hot ball in there yeah um i it, it was a, a felt like a bit of a moment that day there were good jokes and memes about the bag mm-hmm. do you think that's what he intended yes rachel's pissed <laughs> Jacques Mousse. I mean, he's 29, so we know he loves memes. Is a uh, young, hunky Frenchman. Really hunky. Is he a rugby player himself, or does he just like rugby players? I think he just likes rugby players. Uh, he looks like he could play rugby. Yeah. He looks like an Australian. Great shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he recent, recently is rolling out men's. He He's adored. Speaking of adored designers, he's had a lot of positive energy. Yeah. Shown down upon him yeah. in the last couple of years. How long has Jacques Mousse been around for? Four years. And uh, he launched men's like last, like this current season is the first men's or something. Or no, last season. There the was stuff men's. in yeah, store so there right have now been is two shows. men's. Yeah. And um, so what of the tiny, tiny bag? Well, the thing about the tiny bag well, yeah, go ahead. is that to me it suggests that something we've spoken about before which is that like 
and this might sound slightly contradictory, but bags are not really like a women's thing anymore. Right. Like it's, and to me, it was almost like a surrealist joke about bags rather than being like a functioning yeah. bag. Yeah. yeah it's, exactly. it's amazing to completely remove all functionality from the bag and right. just turning it into like a little branded, like don't they have little gold J's on them or yeah. super tiny logos? Yeah. Just turning them into like a signature sort of memeable branded object. Right. Do you think he'll sell a million of them? Yes. They're going to sell like crazy, right? Yeah. And how much will they cost, do you think? I don't know that I they'll might be that one. expensive. Do you feel like this is going to be a historically important piece of fashion to own? Yes. I think he, didn't he... He already sold a miniature, uh, not this small, but a, a slightly less miniature bag. And I think yes. he told Vogue that he's already sold like 10,000 of them or something. Yeah. Well, it, and going back to the surrealist joke, that was like his bags kept getting smaller and they were already yes. comically small. <laughs> and then, and then, so and then once in a while the f- they would get really big. Right. <laughs> that's smart. That's a good way to keep them on yeah. their toes. Yeah. He must have. And then one day he just went to the factory and he was like, okay, okay, folks, how small can you make the bag? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they made it small. And um, anyway, what's interesting about it is that, uh, tangentially about it, is that, so Rachel's saying that it's not about bags for women anymore. And that makes a lot of sense because for years it just was. So inevitably it like won't. You know, at some point it's just like you've got all the bags. Yeah. I mean, whatever. If someone rolls in with a Birkin, they're still the shit, right? Totally. Totally. What about an old Phoebe era Celine bag? Sure. Old, not old, but sure. You know. What about um, I mean, Frank? Like when uh, Frank Ocean yeah. carried it, that was really cool. But again, yeah. it's because yeah, Frank Ocean we're talking, was carrying it. Yeah, exactly. That's the the key thing here is I think men are obsessed with bags, or at least in a good, in a nice place in, with relationship to bags. Yeah. Uh, I finally stopped carrying a bodega bag for my personal belongings, and I, you know, I got a proper. Maybe a pouch, maybe a bag. I've got an arsenal of bags right. now. But I would say that the transition bag from when I'm thinking of this in terms of like, you know, those evolutionary uh, sort of graphs of like a <laughs> like monkey we becoming went, a man yeah. is, the, is the not just the crossbody bag, but like the fanny pack worn across right. like the body. That's when so it like all when changed did that start? for men. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I feel like I'd been seeing versions of that, like camera bags, uh, fanny packs, and other small like pouches, mostly like nylon, yeah. you know, with plastic clips and straps. Not not like a leather designer thing, but kind of a street thing. You know, Supreme has been making them forever. Uh, skaters often carry them or, or have been. It seems like for years now. But there were definitely moments. Sam pointed out Virgil uh, wearing the Prada. F- fanny pack across his chest to like Australia's over, GQ Men of the Year Yeah, awards. over a tuxedo, like a full black tie oh, tuxedo. Oh, wow, foreshadowing. And he's wearing a black nylon it is, uh, it, it's a It's a harness-esque maneuver. It's definitely in relationship to the uh, the harness bib. Um, you know, that was by no means uh, the first instance, but I would say that's was this. High profile. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And done in a way in like a, just yeah red carpet like black tie event and that was and that was after i think um the supreme vuitton collab was shown um at paris fashion week i think that was like a big moment in terms of the fanny pack going um diagonal because they were all shown there were sort of there was you know all those sort of oversized um fanny pack type bags that were shown strapped um undercoats overcoats sort of strapped horizontal or um, strapped diagonally across the models and then there were like little um sort of more pouchy bags that sort of hung, were like crossbody but hung sort of more near the um near the hips and as noah was saying like supreme's been making bags like that for a long time um yeah. but this was the first time that they were like fully styled i think in the way that like really matched the trend and sort of pushed it along and i think people just started adopting that really quickly and it's like a garment. After, right? Yeah, exactly. The new thing is that the bag is a piece of apparel. It's like it it is both meant to be worn and layered to to be seen as a, you know, a garment and also creates a silhouette, you know, like they're like like that that crossbody kind of like image or however the hell it's worn, even worn at the waist or whatever becomes a silhouette that is like you know, to be, to be attempted or achieved. I, functionality, uh, 
again, not on the on the Simone Porsche Jacques Mousse level of unfunctional, but like pretty damn. You know, you just it's like a bag for your jewel, your your phone, and your like charger. I li- you know I don't know. No one carries cash. I don't you know. Yeah. I don't know what anyone has in there. So it's still a status thing Maybe. in the way that like having a bag for a woman is. I think so. I and think though for it, so long the men's bag thing was just like dominated by like Filson. You know, it was like yeah. all these guys with like canvas and leather Filson, you know, briefcases that they bought at Stephen Allen. I like it's the one thing, you know, in, in my job, guys are always asking me about these things that I don't have answers for them because I don't like I need some new brown shoes. What should I get? And I'm always like, not brown shoes. <laughs> Our guy's like, I need like a bag. You're like, what kind of a new bag? What should I get? And I'm like, don't get a bag. What do you need a bag for? What's in the bag? In the gym clothes. What? Why are you carrying your gym clothes around with you? Put you keep your gym clothes somewhere. You change into them and you go work out. I mean, I think that, I think that's an interesting point because because <laughs> about Jim. What, what? No, no, no. Oh. But like, I think what was so cool about Frank Ocean carrying like the huge Celine bag. I also thought I was making an interesting. Point. <laughs> it used to be a flex to not have a bag at all. Oh, it's the best feeling. No to bag. Either, to if you to carry have a streamlined bag. your life or have someone else who can carry your bag for you. And so when Frank, oh, well. o- when you see Frank Ocean, <laughs> when you see Frank Ocean carrying a huge like archival Phoebe Celine bag, you know Frank probably doesn't need to be carrying his own bag. He probably doesn't have that much shit with him. He definitely is traveling you think with like the bag security. Was empty? He could have been just shopping. It didn't look full. The the best thing about Frank's giant Celine bag is he was sitting front row at fashion shows with it, where there's no room for anything. For I mean, yeah, you can kind of you can kind of put it under your bench, but like you don't. It depends on what the seats are like. You don't know, and like uh, it's just like an incredible flex in so many ways. But all of a sudden, it feels like it's more of a flex. All of a sudden, it feels like more of a flex to have a bag than to not have one. All of a sudden, yeah. Who are the other major players in the bag space? Prada, uh, obviously. Prada. Yeah. Prada. yeah, Prada nylon. Not so much Prada leather. I think uh the the little like mini trunks with the chains that Virgil's making for Vuitton are in- insanely cool. I desire one strongly. They're amazing cuz they're they look um they're sort of like hard-sided rectangles, but they're but Virgil like made them all soft. So they actually are kind of squishy and like malleable and you can really like stuff them with stuff. What are they made out of? Just leather. But so, but it, but they don't have like the hard almost like wooden sort of edges that oh, like a real yeah, trunk would yeah. have. But they like they look like the trunk. Like a trunk. Yeah. Wow. Um if I could have any bag it would be one of those or like a Goyard purse, like a rectangle rectangular Goyard purse. Like sort of rocky style. Yeah, not I mean the Goyard tote is really cool too. I don't own one of those either but goyard to me is 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 the coolest it's it's very uh it's not so discreet um Alix makes nice bags and, Aleeks, and the chest harness Ale- really Aleeks makes so Alix did i uh, was kind of the transition between bags being bags and then becoming just gar- garments yeah, yeah. that Definitely. eventually led us to the harness yeah um the I think Kim Jones is gonna make some Dior saddlebags that will be crossbody highly bags. desirable yeah. and worn as crossbody bags. He made one that's all metal, right? Yeah, that's insane. It's funny that because what's happening in women's bags is that um, like not really anything aside from giant or tiny, but then also. <laughs> Um, like the Fendi baguette and the saddle bag are coming back. So these like archival bags, yeah. but in the same way that like women are like, I want to wear tabbies again, you know, like yeah. it doesn't feel bag related, yeah. but like now men are like, okay, cool. Like we want those bags. Yeah. Too. It seems like it's unclear what's going to happen with these revival bags because it feels like in the tooth in sort of the aughts, it was all about like having the it bag, the status bag. And that's like what was cool. But now it feels like you sort of want to be like, everyone's trying to be one step ahead of each other. Everyone wants like the limited edition thing in a way that like they didn't before. Before you just sort of had to buy the baguette and then you're like, all right, I'm good. And now you buy the baguette and then everyone else buys it and you're like, my life is over. (laughs) It's over for me. At least that's how I think about getting dressed. Women right now just want to wear fanny packs. Yeah. They're still wearing crossbody fanny packs. I'm waiting for like guest gear to make a fishing vest. What there was a you 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 sent us a quartz article that said something like um fanny packs fanny packs are driving all fashion the all every fashion brand on the planet is is afloat right now thanks to fanny packs right 
Yeah, so this wasn't like a made-up trend from the internet or whatever. This was like right. a real retail force. Right. It happened pretty quickly. It's funny because the fanny pack is is polarizing. I don't want to talk too much about fanny packs because it gets really kind of lame and like nostalgia and like tourist dad and all this stuff. But, you know, it's like Hermes, like some of the nicest stuff in an Hermes store right now is a fanny pack. They have yeah. all these different sizes. and The and row makes like a fanny pack. Tie-dye ones. Well, I think it's because like women don't want to and this is what's kind of surprising me about like Frank Ocean like carrying a bag yeah. is that women are like ah, I don't want to carry a bunch of stuff yeah. so they're like oh that's appealing that you can just like wear it as a garment and just have your stuff so for that. a long time the move would be like to your to your uh, female partner you'd say hey can you put this in your bag for me mm-hmm. but now it's the reversed and she's like hey man in my life will you put this in your bag for me yeah is that that seems like maybe an important uh power shift yeah (laughs) (laughs) right what uh i mean it can't it's a little it's funny because it's like really like the the most important stuff in the bag space right now is happening thanks to dior hermes vuitton and who else did we name Mm aleks what the thing that gets tricky is like well yeah but what's the bag that i can get for like a hundred bucks is there an answer I mean, a lot of guys have um, have taken the Patagonia fanny pack. Oh, that's yeah. right. Um, Patagonia, Arcteryx. Arcteryx is one that's that like, we both have. I think that's a really cool way to do it. Like, if you're going to go, like, that's the affordable, accessible thing is, like, on the outdoors gear side of it. And then the, the next step up is just straight to Goyard. Yeah. You know, there's always a line outside of the Goyard store in Paris. Have you seen that? No. Every time I'm there, there's a line. They only let a few people in at a time, and there's like a rope and a guard. And, and there's great. two. You've and there's two of the stores right across from each other, right? One is accessories and and uh, pet and pets. Pet stuff, yeah. Dog collars and leashes, which is insanely cool. And then the other is is the full, the full deal. Uh, I think Porter and Head Porter is still an insanely cool. The Porter tank tanker tank stuff it's like that shiny nylon porter yeah, stuff that's yeah. that's very classic yoshida porter uh japanese luggage maker um i never know i don't know if head porter is around anymore i guess it's just porter anyway they collaborate with everyone marnie does really good porter collabs i would definitely like to get involved in some of that where do you guys come down on totes like the Paris Review tote, for mm-hmm. instance, or the whatever TK fill in the blank tote. I mean, mm-hmm. st- still super useful. Mine are mostly now for picking up groceries. Yeah. Not so much for. But like, I think it's uh, for groceries. It's all about those like Parisian sacks, those yeah. like web sacks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Celebrities are always ca- like I said. My key limes are always slip through the yeah. holes. Yeah, <laughs> Emma Thompson carrying like a webbed sack, and I was like, how cool is she? Look? Yeah, it feels like the tote the tote was like a, a necessary step for men on the way from, you know, just like stuffing shit in your pockets to sort of like leveling up and like going for a, a, a nicer sort of leather bag that or you can use every day. Or like phasing out your North Face backpack from college. Yeah, 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 yeah. Phasing out the L.L. Bean with your initials embroidered on it. You know, everyone got a free Paris Review or New Yorker tote and was like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll give this a give yeah. this a whirl. And then of course like the tote bag arms race began and it was like this escalation of like how blue chip is the gallery tote bag carrying, <laughs> you know? Um you know, I've got the Mary Boone tote, you've got the David Zwerner tote, Sam's got the Gagosian tote, who wins? Um we don't actually own any of those totes. I just made I have a Zwerner tote. <laughs> uh you do, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Respect. Well, I mean, at some point we all had like a, you know, you end up with a drawer full of tote bags and it just brings tremendous shame. When Straight Outta Compton came out, the the film, um, they sent people at different magazines a personalized, semi-personalized tote bags that said Straight Outta and then the name of your magazine. <laughs> I remember this. So they sent us these bags when I worked at Vanity Fair. I that saw that one. Straight out of Vanity Fair. And it's like, oh my God. Like, That's so yikes. legendary. I think Matt Lynch still carries his. I still have mine, but I don't carry it anymore. I feel like friends of the pot are going to have a lot of bag questions. As always, you can DM what them are, like, the Sam the good? Hunt. What are the good bag shapes? We'll never shapes. answer them. That's a really like, interesting question. I think question. like a bucket, like what you were saying about like a bucket. Cool. Is mm-hmm. a, a bucket is a great shape. 
I'm I'm really into the like rectangular. I don't own one, but like an, what, what I guess is just an actual purse, like a <laughs> a rectangle. I'm I'm trying to think like of like a Chanel flat bag yeah. shaped bag. Yeah, yeah. That that's just super utilitarian though, just like a zipper and a narrow strap. Yeah. So it's it's like would would be in in terms of volume the same size as a fanny pack if not a little bit smaller but just like a, a rectangle and a strap it's it's very much what i'm referring to is this the the soft mini trunk that virgil's making at vuitton and this there's a goyard shaped bag and there's a porter um it's just like called a shoulder bag but like a tiny rectangle mm-hmm. i think those are insanely cool a lot of brands are starting to make um actual like belt like bags that that are really meant to be tied around your waist they're almost like running bags and they're really thin and long so they sort of like wrap all the way around your waist and you can just put like i don't even know what like the shape of things are that you're supposed to put in there like a jewel and like some like running gloves chapstick like everything that you put in there has to be like long some Um, band-aids i still get confused about what's in bags (laughs) What's <laughs> drugs? What are we... The only thing I can think of, <laughs> I guess, glasses, sunglasses. I'm always looking for a place to put my sunglasses. Yeah. Um, I also like little pouches. I'm into like extremely just like, yeah, just purses, just things that are typically carried and worn by women. But Kiko makes this incredible pouch that's like knit and beaded. Yeah, that's like one of the best bags. It's really kind of funny. It's like a drawstring pouch, uh, you know, that you could probably just fit a grapefruit in that that you can, you know, would wear over your shoulder and then kind of hang low. So the pouch is actually like hanging down at your waistline. It's yeah. not up. It's not cinched up high in your chest, which is the the move for the the cross body bag is to have it, you know, over your heart closest to uh, your love muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really like the um, the Jacquemus, uh almost like the lanyard well, like leather bags. Are insanely cool. Those are great, and um, you know I think those are meant to just like hold your phone or your cigarettes or like your keys. There are a lot of cool I like the single phone. use bag. Yeah, yeah phone bags. That's does, pretty cool. Does the Prada ID badge count as a bag? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, those are really cool too. Really and cool. speaking of Goyard, Goyard makes one. Um that they stopped making and it's really hard to find, but it's basically a Goyard lanyard with a badge holder that goes around your neck. So it's kind of like the Goyard card case, but even thinner with a hole in it that goes, that has a strap. Does anyone like- hunt. If anyone can find me one of those, let me know. There was once one on eBay and I just like didn't bid and it sold for like 200 bucks, which is really <sighs> cheap for what it is. And so I will we'll, um, regret that for the rest of my life. All right, look. Uh, bags are uh, an inevitable part of our lives. We have things that we need to carry. We need to get places. Uh, pockets can only can only withstand so much, and so I hope we've done, we've helped, and enlightened a little bit. Um, this is episode fifty of Corporate Lunch. We're here. We made it. Uh, I want to thank you all for being in my life. Sam is on Grailed right now looking up Goyard accessories. Uh, Sam, you're, I'm going to ask you to um, go back to your production booth if you, keep, um, <laughs> if you keep your laptop open anymore. All right, let's do some vibes. Let's go! 13, uh, 13 Vibes, this is our not-so-fast lightning round where we uh, just fire off rapidly things that we like and think are cool. I'm going to go first. Uh, this may be my only vibe to share today, but I have I figured it out. I decided what the sneaker of the moment is and the one I'll be wearing for the remainder of this year. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Adidas Samba. Nice. Strong. I knew, what, I knew Sam color? would appreciate that. Rachel's not. Which color, black or white? I, no, just or black, black yeah. gum sole, white stripes. The key... The key is to get the Samba with not the oversized soccer tongue, the regular size tongue, with the gold stamp, not yeah. the blue and white stamp. Because all Adidas originals now, Sambas come with the blue and white stamp. Right. And the Samba skate, which I skate in and have been for a couple of years, has the blue and white stamp. But you, for, for the streets, for style, not skating, gold stamp on the tongue, they're very hard to find. 
I just ordered a pair, and you're never going to believe where I ordered them from. Prague. Wow. They're probably not real. I know. Thanks for that. Anyway, Adidas Samba, what's up? We should talk about. I had a lot. I have a lot of thoughts and ideas about preppy style, and with regards to Adidas Samba specifically, and I want to talk about that on another episode. But I'm going to leave it there. Rachel, vibe us. British novels. I thought you were going to say British Nights, and I was like, okay. Like but British on. Evenings? No, like that was a sneaker brand, right? BK no, Nights? Not that I'm aware. Well, it probably was, but I've never heard of it. Really? Yeah. Sam, open that laptop. <laughs> All right. What are your favorite in, uh, British novels? I mean, I don't really have any personally. Like Kingsley just Amos? Gonna, I just think <laughs> that like people are going to start reading novels in a – like that's going to be what's on Instagram, like all spring and summer. Yeah. Do you think people are really going to read them or just going to post pictures of the covers? I don't ask those sorts of questions. I'm noticing a trend in people collecting like first editions of uh, pieces of literature, which is nice because they often have amazing covers and I do like to look at them, but I'm a little, you know, I want to make sure people are reading books, not just collecting them. Right. Instagramming print material is funny. It is funny. Kind of a flex. I mean, men don't really do it, do they? Instagram, the new issue of Jiki Style, guys. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what men do anymore. Nice. Sam. Sam. Uh, my vibe is cowboys. Yeah. Dressing like them, yeah. acting like them. You do a good like cowboy. Going mood. to saloons. Mm-hmm. All about it. Like I like a saloon door. Yeah. yeah. Like Walking through door. saloon doors whenever you yeah. see them. But what about like, a shootout? It's like not the door doesn't go to the floor. Who do you think would win in a shootout, me or Sam? Sam's quicker. I'm very agile. Quick draw. You've never seen how quick I am. He is quicker. He's younger. Yeah. Which is inherently quicker. My mind is slow, but I'm still agile. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, This is episode 50. We love you. Thank you for being here and being a part of this with us. We'll see you next time for episode 51. Rachel, last words. Good night.